get to listen to what they're saying to God. And that gives me some indicator of whether they're getting these things, whether they're starting to implement these things in their relationship with Him. And so it's just another indicator to me whether or not and how they're growing. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us unto himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about the nuts and bolts of early discipleship. Hello and welcome to this episode of General Order 4. And uh, on today's episode, we're going to try to keep things quite a bit more practical um, than what we've been doing the last few episodes. We've been doing some kind of deep dives into some scriptural truths and even some kind of hard things to address. Um, but on this episode, we're going to try to keep things a bit more practical. We just wanted to talk about um, the when and where uh, of discipleship, kind of uh, yeah, how you go about doing things. And so we're going to do this one a little bit more interview style. I'm just going to be kind of picking Pastor Stewart's brain. We're going to be talking a little bit about some of these things, and we'll just see where it goes. So uh, thank you again for tuning in. Uh, my name is Simeon Brazel. I'm joined, as usual, by Pastor Brian Stewart. Hello. And we are looking forward to getting into some of this content today. So, uh, Pastor Stewart, let's just kind of chat a little bit about uh, when and where a discipleship session takes place. I know some of this has to do with at what point along the journey the person you're speaking to is, sure. but let's just start with a baby Christian. You just started discipling that person. Um, when and where do you typically kind of take that discipleship session? Do you go to their house? Do you go to a restaurant? Do you, what, what do you typically end up doing? Uh, the The answer is yes. Uh, you can do pretty much anything uh, there, obviously, we want to uh, not give the appearance of evil, so we want to make sure that we are meeting in a place that uh, doesn't present any uh, representation of us in a sinful uh, activity or anything like that. But outside of that, you can meet at a restaurant. I've met many of, of men uh, at a restaurant. I've met in uh, their work uh, uh, break room. I've done discipleship in uh uh, a hotel lobby uh, mm-hmm. a couple times. I've done discipleship at the church uh, in my office. I've done it in classrooms around the church. Really, wherever the two of you can meet and you can have enough quiet for the both of you to focus on what what uh, scripture you're, you're handling. So that's the first level where we're doing it one-on-one. It's really practical to that two individuals when and where they can meet and that there's enough time to focus or enough uh, noise reduction in the area to focus on what you're talking about. Yeah, and you said men, too. So that's probably obvious to our listener, but I just want to kind of point out that you're not meeting at a coffee shop with a lady somewhere. um, Exactly. And especially not in her home. But Yeah, our um, practice is men discipling men and our ladies discipling ladies. Titus talks about that, the older men teaching the younger men, the older women teaching the younger women. So I just wanted to kind of insert that just, I know that should be obvious, I think, to the people that are listening. But um, like you said, avoiding the appearance of evil, that includes making sure, you know, that in the world that we live in, two guys could be on a date at the coffee shop, but (laughs) it's not the assumption at least. And um, so, you know, that's, that's, I haven't had to deal with that yet. I've I've often thought about uh, what I would do if that 
gets to that point. But uh, so far, and part of the de- the deal is how you conduct yourself when you're together. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're sitting across the table. You're not oogling at each other. You're talking about the Bible. You're talking about God's word. Right. Most people probably assume of, you're business associates or something. The, yeah. I mean, I don't necessarily wear a hat with a cross on it saying, you know, on the back, uh, I'm discipling or anything. But, uh, <laughs> I do, you know, I, I try and dress appropriate. I don't wear a suit generally unless I'm already, you know, having another meeting or something. But I generally dress to the, uh, you know, a lot of times I wear jeans and a, a polo shirt, uh, sometimes slacks and a polo shirt. Just I try and dress professionally, but the, our society is a casual, uh, professional look now anyway. And I don't want to come in looking odd. Uh, well, part of that's going to have to do with the culture that you're into. I mean, if you're yeah, and uh, I'm in Midwest culture, so if you're in a West Virginia coal mining town and you show up in anything more than blue jeans, they're going to look at you like you're crazy. But and being in a Midwest uh, town here, you know, we have some professionals, but we have a lot of people that, you know, they wear jeans to work as well. And so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm not trying to be like them, but I also am not trying to be peculiar in just uh, a weird way. I want to be peculiar in the fact that I'm honest that I'm Christ-like, and let that peculiarity stand out rather than uh, me dressing in a way that I would if I was down in Fort Lauderdale, Florida still. Now, let so. me ask you this. the I just got to thinking while you were talking about that, some of the topics that you cover in discipleship are going to be more sensitive. Um, sure. And some people may not be super open or are willing to open up in public especially if they tend to be an emotional person, you know, they they may not want to cry in the coffee shop. So they may not open up to you because you're in a coffee shop. So how do you kind of gauge that person and make the decision whether you want to meet them in a public place or in a private place? One of the things that uh, I will ask them, where do they want to meet? Um, You know, so when I'm setting up the appointment uh, early on, I'll say, would you like to meet in a, you know, because we're going to study the Bible. So you need your Bible and you'll need some notes. And so just from us covering that basic information and kind of setting up the tone for what's going to take place. I'll ask them, do you want to meet at a restaurant? Do you want to meet at a coffee shop? Do you want to meet at the church here? We can meet at my house, your house, you know, whatever is that I deem in that, uh, with that individual, that would be appropriate. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're meeting at 10 o'clock at night, we're probably not meeting at my house because my family needs to be, you know, the house needs to be settling down. Mm-hmm. I don't generally meet that late. But I would be willing to if that's the only time that this person can disciple. Right. Maybe they work third shift or something. A second shift or third shift, and that's the only time that would work for them. I'm not going to pass that opportunity up, but I'm certainly not going to meet. And a lot of restaurants are going to be closed at that time, so we probably would meet at the church or, or some other area. But, yeah, how do you determine that? The other thing is we one of the things we do when we disciple somebody is I usually have uh, me or the disciple or whoever's doing the discipling pray at the beginning. Then we go through our lesson, and then we have the new disciple uh, pray at the end. Mm-hmm. And so I found that sometimes people are afraid to pray in public, and they're ashamed because they just haven't been taught how to do that. They don't; they're a new believer. They mm-hmm. don't know how to uh, how to pray publicly. And they're so not they confident in their walk with Christ yet either. Yeah, and and so, but that's understandable because we haven't taught them those things yet, and so, uh, but that's another indicator that maybe we want to meet in a more secluded, private, you know, at the church rather than in a public 
uh, forum mm-hmm. uh, for a while. And so I will determine whether that might be an issue. If it is, we'll meet at the church for a while. But then maybe when we get through book, you know, six, seven, eight, whenever the Holy Spirit kind of prompts me, then um, we will maybe I'll, I'll suggest, hey, why don't we meet at, you know, Bob Evans or why don't we meet at such and such and get lunch or breakfast or whatever um, next week? And uh, are you, you know, are you good for that? And, uh, you know, and if I know their finances and they can't afford it, I may offer to, you know, cover the, the lunch or breakfast. If I know they can afford it, many times we'll do it Dutch. And then I've had guys that when we go do that, they'll buy me lunch. Now, I don't do it so they buy me lunch, but, um, you know, they've been thankful for what I've, I've done and, and what I've shared with them. And mm-hmm. that's one way they want to express a, a gratitude. And so those are all different aspects that come into the planning and Every every man is going to be different. Every man is, or in my case, every man is going to be different. With my wife, uh, a lot of times she's done it at the house. She'll have the other lady come over. Sometimes the other lady has kids, so our kids play together. If if I'm able to be there, I'll kind of monitor the kids, and the ladies will go into the dining room and, and have uh, their time of, of discipleship. Mm-hmm. Then my wife has met people at the church, and sometimes she goes to their home. Uh, and so, again, it's just... Every situation is different. Every one of these, we have to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. But there are mm-hmm. some some generalities that are the same, and that is you're going to meet one-on-one. You're going to meet with somebody of the same gender, and you're going to uh, be teaching them. And I usually try and start with prayer, and then I try and have them end in prayer. And part of the reason I want them to end in prayer is, one, I want to teach them to pray because uh, that's how they communicate with their Heavenly Father. And even if it's just real basic prayer, it doesn't matter. We want to get them custom to that. But mm-hmm. then also, while they're praying, I get to listen to what they're saying to God. And that gives me some indicator of whether they're getting these things, whether they're starting to implement these things in their relationship with Him. And so it's just another indicator to me whether or not and how they're growing. And mm-hmm. so it's a, it's a wonderful time. It's a blessed time. A lot of times it's just been so wonderful just to hear them pour their heart out to their father. Mm-hmm. And you just taught them these things, and now you get to see that in action. And it's a it's a wonderful encouragement to us as disciples as well to see God working in that person's heart. As a dad of several kids, you, you were talking about helping maintain while your wife is discipling. Just kind of speak to the idea that— um, what do you do to mitigate distraction, especially in a public place? But um, also, you know, uh, if you're dealing with a guy like me, you're discipling a guy like me, if you're going to go to his home, if their kids are anything like mine, they're going to constantly want to be around being a distraction and I'm not going to be able to focus. So what do you do generally to kind of mitigate some of that distraction? Well, we will. I will be willing to try just about anything unless I know you know, it's just a, a, a really wild and loud uh, environment. But uh, like if I'm in a restaurant, one of the things I try and do is I try and pick a, a table and a chair if I can. If I can influence it, it's, it's not something that I take like a dictatorial approach to. But I, I try and manipulate with, through influence and just where I sit so that they're not looking at the crowd. If, the, if there's somebody that walks in and they've got, you know, 16 different colors in their hair and you know uh, some wild outfit on I want to I want to be the one that's distracted not them so I will mm-hmm. sit where I can see most of what's happening in the room 
and I want them to sit where they don't have to see very much mm-hmm. happening around them, and they're less likely to be distracted. Uh, sometimes we've been in, in a restaurant, and they've had no music playing, and then as soon as we break out the Bibles and the notes, uh, it, they pipe the music, and it's going loud as can be. I've had to ask a, a waitress, especially if we're the only ones in there, or very few people are in the rooms or in the restaurant, I'll ask them. I say, is there any way you can turn that down a little bit? It's hard for me to have this conversation with my friend. I don't get into, I'm teaching the Bible, and you know, I'll give some kind of you mm-hmm. know, righteous speech, but it's just a polite, is there any way we can turn that down a little bit? Uh, and then if they don't, I can't remember, but I think once or twice we've actually had to change locations in mid discipleship uh, just because the noise and such was too bad in the homes if i'm in somebody else's home uh, i may depending on my relationship with that person how far along we are how much influence i i sense that the holy spirit's giving me with that person uh, i might suggest uh, you know a solution to whatever's causing that that noise you know can we turn that tv down can the kids play Mm -hmm. outside uh, you know, but again, that's going to depend on my relationship with that person. Um, but, uh, you know, those, those are the kinds of things that uh, you just, you you ask the Holy Spirit to be help you be creative in the moment and, yeah. and mitigate those things to the best of your ability. And then sometimes... I'm just trying to think, I'm uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt no you. I'm, I'm just trying to think of some general things like um, if I'm a brand new believer... I just got saved. You've been working on me for a couple of weeks, but I don't really like know you, know you, you know, yeah. I, I may not want, I may not feel comfortable going to your house or having you to my house. So I may sure. want to say, Hey, let's, let's meet somewhere. But I'm just, I'm thinking of a few practical things. I would say it would be wise to try and meet somewhere where there aren't televisions. Um, yes. I was in a restaurant with my father-in-law the other day and there was just filth on this television and where my seat was, I could not, but I could not help but face that television. Sure. And it's it's so hard to keep your eyes where they need to be when you've got this glowing thing, you yeah. know. Just that glow gives you the natural desire to turn your eyes towards it. So, sure. um, you know, I had to ask the lady, hey, can we turn this off or can we change the channel? By the time they changed it, we were leaving, you know. But yeah. <laughs> um, So I would say try to avoid the television, avoid a place you know is going to be loud. Uh, it may even be a good idea to meet somewhere like a library or t- typically coffee shops tend to keep the music down because they know that business people meet there. Yeah. I found like uh, a, a local diner that has been one of the best places because it, one, I get a lot of visitation done there without having to go to a bunch of people's houses because a mm-hmm. lot of people in the community end up going to that, you know, you find the popular diner. Now you also want to go at hopefully at times that are not peak times. Because you don't mm-hmm. want to manipulate a table for an hour or an hour and a half. Uh, right. That a waitress is—that's what she's depending on to get her thing. So then the other th- practical thing is, when I do manipulate a table, even if it's in an off time, I make sure I give a healthy tip, because I want—I don't want that waiter or waitress to go without their income because I mm-hmm. manipulated that table. Especially if this is going to be a regular meeting place. Absolutely, and there, there's one local diner here. That I have probably I to I can't even imagine how many hours I've spent there, and how many meals I've been there. It's been many, many different men that I've discipled there, 
and even a couple early on where I went into the second levels that normally might be a classroom, but I only had two men that were ready for it. So I would take the two men and we would go there and do our uh, lessons there as well. And so mm-hmm. uh, there was uh, nothing against this restaurant, but just as an example, because uh, I, I, I enjoy eating there. But if, it, if you're going to disciple, I don't generally go to like Cracker Barrel. Because for whatever reason, I have a difficult time hearing in that environment and communicating with people because of the way it's decorated and everything, the sounds and the, and the noises in there, uh, wonderful eating. Uh, so I'm not mm-hmm. downing Cracker Barrel as, that, as far as a f- eating establishment. But You'd lose half our Baptist audience <laughs> by downing Cracker Barrel, so you got to be careful about that. But, uh, but as far as a place to go to have a serious conversation where concentration is necessary, uh, I would not recommend that, at least for me, because I have a trouble there. Uh, I wouldn't mm-hmm. go to um, a place that's like a, a, a grill and bar where there's a lot of noise, where they like to play the music loud. Um, those sports, are places to avoid. Yeah, like sports places. Especially um, discipling men, avoid the sports place. Oh, yeah, like B-dubs. Uh, you know, again, they have decent wings. A lot of guys like that place. Uh, but it's a place to disciple. You know, another thing you want to consider is how are the waiters and waitresses dressed? Um, and, and encourage, you know, and how are the clientele dressing? Uh, you want to be careful not to put you, yourself or others in temptation. So, because uh, then you're, you're just, you're defeating your, your purpose of trying to help this person come to victory in Christ. So, mm-hmm. so those are all different things that we uh, would, would take into account. Uh, and picking the location, and again, if if you try it once and it doesn't work, uh, you know, decide whether it can work long enough for you to get done with it that time, or do you just need to up and go to the church or or wherever else you mm-hmm. have access to. So, in the early discipleship stage, which is basically what we've been talking about thus far, um, we're talking more about keeping that in a private, kind of one-on-one setting because of the material that's being covered being personal to the person you're speaking to. Obviously, all of the scripture is applicable to everybody in a personal way, um, but the material you're covering with that person is, you know, simple, may seem like simple stuff to those of us that have been saved for a long time, but for them, it's new and life-changing stuff. Absolutely. Like, how do I hear from God? And we take that kind of stuff for granted, but that's a profound idea that they really need to be able to focus on. Um, so we're keeping that in a one-on-one kind of kind of setting. Speak, if you would, to some of the reasoning behind not teaching these early lessons in a group or in a classroom-style setting. I think you've uh, hit on probably one of the most important ones is that these are life-changing, life-transforming truths that we that they need they're going to build and we've talked about this in other episodes they're they're like building blocks they're going to build on each other and mm-hmm. so if we're sloppy or uh, disorganized in laying this foundation uh, that this this is the foundation that Christ has established for every believer that he desires to see developed in their life and he gives us the privilege and the responsibility of teaching them what he's taught us and so that foundation needs to be intentionally and uh, very carefully laid. And so it's hard to do that with a group 
because you can't read that person. That person can't respond to you with questions as easily in a group. Most of us uh, in a group are not going to ask an embarrassing question if we think it's an embarrassing question. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been in, in rooms where uh, you know somebody will say you know an acronym. Uh, everybody knows what that is. Well, not everybody in the room knows what that is, but nobody's going to speak up and say, I don't know, because we're all supposed to know. Right. And we feel like we're supposed mm-hmm. to know whether we are or not. And so when you do it one-on-one, you can you can read whether they're understanding it or not, and you can slow down. And you, Even if they won't admit it, you could go back and define it. And you're not holding mm-hmm. up those that do know with and, and taking time, but you get an opportunity to really uh, – personalize these truths to this person's life and help them implement it as God has implemented it in your life. And so it's it, it's really, if I could say it this way, it's a blessing that I don't want to pass up. I don't want to try and lay this foundation in a bunch of different how you know different places at once. I would I, I really mm-hmm. cherish the opportunity to to see that individual established in their relationship with Christ. Right. The, I think personalized, what you just hit on when you said that word personalized, um, I think that's a key thing because every individual moves at a different pace. Sure. Um, I think we have this problem in academia as well. You have a classroom of 30 students, in some cases even up to 60, 70 students in, in high school, um, and more. And those kids that move fast don't get enough. And those kids that move slow can't possibly keep up because nobody's getting individualized attention. And those kids that are in the middle are the only ones that are catered. Right. So, and that I think when we deal with, with especially brand new believers who don't know anything they can't all move at the same pace. Some people are going to attach to some things really quickly because maybe they already know some of the terminology. Grandma was took them to church as a kid or, or whatever. So they already know some of the terms or maybe they're just more spiritually in tune or maybe they're not tr- struggling with gross sin like somebody else might be. And so they're moving faster. But in a classroom setting, that guy that's moving slower doesn't want to hold the entire class up to ask his question. Um or perhaps his question is very personal and very serious and it would be incredibly embarrassing for him to talk about in a in a large setting like that. So not that classroom settings should never happen, but I do think, especially in the early um, discipleship stages, keeping that personal one-on-one and private allows that Christian to grow in the timing that they need to and give allows you to give them the attention that they need as well. Certainly. I, I think we need to keep in mind one other aspect, and, and we've talked about this before, but the aspect of fact that this is not academic. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I got saved, uh, let me just give you a little bit of a personal testimony. When I got saved, I was 18 years old. I had been in church all of my life. I had grown up in a Christian school from day one all the way through. Uh, at that point, when I got saved, I was between my junior and senior year. I was 18 years old. And um, just in case you're doing the math, I got to enjoy third grade twice. I passed it at one school, went to the next <laughs> school, and the previous school hadn't really prepared me well for the new school. And so my teachers decided, and my 
parents and everybody decided I get to go through third grade again. So I got to be a little older when I graduated, but it was really a good decision. But I was, I knew a lot about intellectually, I knew a lot about God's word. I knew the stories. I'd been in Sunday school all my life. I'd been in church, junior churches. I'd been in a youth group. I'd been in Sunday uh, in church, uh, a Christian school. So I got Bible class every every day, and I had chapels every week. And I went to youth camps uh, many summers from my sixth grade or seventh grade years on up. And so I mean, intellectually and academically, I understood and can answer a lot of questions about. God's word. But I had zero relationship with God and I had zero spiritual discernment because I was still lost. Mm -hmm. But when I got saved at 18, uh, shortly after I turned 18, now I had to take that academic and intellectual understanding. And it took a while for God to take that from an academic and intellectual understanding to a spiritual understanding that actually would affect the decisions that I made. Now, Mm -hmm. I knew because I'd been in that environment, I knew how to act like a Christian, but I didn't really understand how to be a Christian. And there's a big difference between acting like a Christian and being Christ-like. And so when we do this on that personal one-on-one level in these early this first year, first eight months to a year of this new believer, what we're doing is we're helping them to understand these truths, even if they have them intellectually and academically in their brain, they need them spiritually to be discerned so that they can actually put them into practice. And there is a big difference between being intellectually and academically knowledgeable of the scripture and being spiritually discerning the scripture. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're shooting for is a difference in that. I think those of us that would be what we call church kids, I put that in air quotes because, you know, a bus kid is a church kid. He's in church. But anyway, um, those of us that would be considered church kids that grew up in church, whose parents were in church, all that kind of stuff. We, like you said, we do have an academic knowledge of it. Even if we got saved at an early age, um, there's a lot of things that we know in our head that has never been transferred to our heart. Um, Sure. And most guys that grew up in church that wind up in ministry, I'm sure if you talk to them, almost all of them would tell you that there was some point in which that academic stuff moved to their heart instead of their head. And that's generally when they first started getting involved in ministry. Sure. Um, because now they had a heart to actually minister to people. Whereas before they were doing it because the Sunday school teacher said they needed to, or, or the youth pastor said they needed to or whatever. So that mm-hmm. when we talked to brother Graham, he, he kind of had that same story. It, yes, he did stuff because that's what the youth pastors and everybody told him to do, you know, but at some point it moved to his heart. Yeah. Um, so, and I think that's true of everybody. So the academic has to become spiritual and that can only be that can only be learned spiritually because like, like Paul says that the spiritual things are learned spiritually and yes, sir. You know, flesh things are learned through the flesh. The spirit things are learned through the spirit. And he reminds us that it's line upon line, precept upon precept. It is a one little nugget here and one little nugget there. We're not going to be able to bring this person, no matter how long they've been around church, no matter how much intellectual and academic understanding of the Bible they have, it is still line upon line, precept upon precept. And mm-hmm. I found that if I go too quick, even with somebody that's been in a 
quote-unquote good church, and they've had a lot of good preaching over the years and a lot of good Sunday school teachers and a lot of good, there are still a, that, that doesn't mean they can't have uh, good uh, spiritual discernment, but mm-hmm. I've found that no matter where we are, there are cracks in that because it's not been done line upon line, precept upon precept in an intentional and uh, and a purposeful way. It's it, obviously, you know, I mean, we're going to Sunday school and and uh, Sunday morning services. We miss occasionally. We're going to mm-hmm. miss this or that. We're, you know, they're not done in a way that's designed to take somebody from immaturity to maturity. They're designed in a way to take us from uh, different topics or different books of the Bible or e- any way you look at it. It's still not designed for taking a babe in Christ up to being a parent in Christ. It's designed to put people in remembrance of what they've learned. Exactly. Right? I mean, that's the point. I'll, I'll, I'll finish with this thought. We'll, we'll wrap this episode up and uh, kind of continue the same thing on the next episode. Um, probably this episode, we'll kind of keep it in the young stage and maybe on the next episode, we'll kind of take it to another, in another direction. But sure. Um, I'll wrap it up with this with this thought. We've been talking about building line upon line, precept upon precept, and how spiritual things are discerned spiritually. If you have people in a classroom um, or in a group setting, a bunch of people at a restaurant or, or whatever, you're going to have a hard time gauging what they have applied to their spirit. It's easy to judge what people have applied to their head in a classroom. Yeah. Um, but it's hard to discern what they've applied to their heart in a classroom. And you can't always know what's in somebody's heart, but there can be some indicators, like you said, when they pray or something like that, where you're, you're gauging where they are, where their heart is and whether or not they're getting a heart understanding of that stuff. And I think you can really only do that in a private setting. Something else I'd like to add before we uh, conclude this episode is that when you are interacting with this person one-on-one, they can't hide from the conversation. They can't they can't disengage from the conversation, or you're going to know it real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been some times that I've taken somebody through and showed them a verse, mm-hmm. gave them the explanation, asked them, "Okay, do you have any questions about that? Well, you know, does that make sense to you?" And you, you know, if you start getting that teenage response, like, "Yep, okay, yep, yeah, I'm fine, okay." Now you know, okay, this person is either the Holy Spirit's dealing with them, they've tuned out or whatever, and you can you they can end plugged. that yeah. lesson right there and say, you know what, let's let's pick this up here next week, and and then you can give them a, a individual homework assignment. I don't give a lot of homework, but sometimes I will use that as a test to see are they really interested in continuing this. Uh, and it's not a it's not going to be a hard one. I, you know, I may ask them to read that verse or memorize mm-hmm. that verse before we get here next time, or you know, whatever the Holy Spirit prompts me to do in that moment. But um, I will use that technique, and and I can't do that in a group. That person would slide through in a group. But like you said, it's it's identifying where is this person's heart, and you can do it by the words they speak. In a sense, you can do it by the words they don't speak. Mm-hmm. If there's a you know a certain question that you ask and they don't answer it, uh, the other thing is you and one of the most energizing things for me is to see them understand it. The lights come on, and then they just can't stop talking about it. In a classroom, you can't let that happen very often, but in one-on-one mm-hmm. discipleship, you can you could sit there for an hour and let them talk, 
and you've just you've seen not only the Holy Spirit work, but now you're letting this person now speak what they were just taught and put it in their own words. And and now you're getting to hear exactly how they're processing all of this. And sometimes they're gonna process it out of ignorance because they don't understand other doctrines and they may say something and sometimes you'll have the prompting to deal with that. Sometimes you let it go mm-hmm. at the moment because you know you're gonna teach them those further truths later on and we'll get that corrected later. Sometimes it needs to be corrected in the moment. And again, that's where we rely on the Holy Spirit because none of us are wise enough to know these things on our own. Uh, but when we are walking in the Spirit and we are discipling uh, in, the, in the leadership of the Spirit, He gives us that wisdom in that moment of what, what to deal with and how to deal with it. And you don't have to be a professional discipler. You don't have to be a super experienced discipler. You just need to be somebody who walks in the Spirit mm-hmm. and has been taught things of the things of the word of God from God uh, by his spirit so that when you teach them the things he's taught you but the the key is that one-on-one and I've heard of guys discipling couples I've not done that I don't choose to do it that way because I would much rather let the ladies have their opportunity to talk I think in some regards if you just if a man disciples a couple like a pastor or whatever then now what we're doing is we're seeing that lady, she's not going to open up because there's her husband in the room and there's another man in the room. And if she is a true godly Mm -hmm. lady, she's probably not going to open up very much uh, because that's just not a natural setting. But if she and my wife or one of the other ladies in the church are alone, now again, we've got that one-on-one. We're not going to let somebody slide through the cracks. And I don't know about you, but in the years that I've been in the ministry, um, there you can have a man who's on fire for God, but if his wife is not brought along at, at the same rate or similar rate, she can be a great detriment to his ministry. Um, and so I, w- I want to give our ladies every opportunity to grow mm-hmm. just as much as I give the men. And so that's why I choose not to disciple them as a couple. That doesn't mean I don't counsel couples. Mm-hmm or I don't teach them scripture as a couple, but when it is going through Foundations 1 and those things that we've enumerated in, in, in other episodes we've talked about, um, what we cover in those lessons, we that needs to be one-on-one with somebody of the same gender so that there can be that camaraderie, that friendship, but also that spiritual discernment. Uh, and we're looking to take any academic and intellectual understanding of scripture mm-hmm and move it to a hard understanding right. that actually affects their life. And it gives everybody the freedom to open up and ask questions and speak about sensitive topics that they may not want to speak about in front of each other. Certainly. Because what are we looking to do? We're looking to see them put the Word of God into use. Because that's where maturity is, right? It's, uh, the mature can handle the meat of the Word of God uh, by reason of what? Use. Uh, Mm -hmm. is how uh, so what we're trying to accomplish in these early stages but in all of the stages of discipleship is to introduce them to the word of god to these line uh, line upon line precept upon precept and then we want to see them put it into practice Mm -hmm. and as they are using the word of god to make decisions and using that as their filter for opinions and and their uh, decisions going forward now we're seeing that happen and that's what we're looking for. We're not looking to say, well, we've done lesson one. No, what, what is taught in lesson one? 
are they are they applying those truths to their life? Uh, we got through lesson six. Well, great, hallelujah. But who cares about what number lesson we're on? Are they using the word of God that was taught to them and putting it into practice in their life? And it's hard to judge that unless you're meeting with that person regularly. And you've got to establish a personal relationship with that person to be able to get to the point to understand those things. Right. Great. All right. So we've we've spent some time talking about the early stages. I think on next week's episode, we'll talk a little bit more about the classroom setting, what you teach in the classroom setting and that kind of thing. Um, so thanks again for tuning in. We'll speak to you again next week. Please like, share, subscribe, all that stuff. I'll give you the information to do that in the sting. So thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of General Order 4. On next week's episode, we'll be talking about the nuts and bolts of group discipleship. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach out to us by email at generalorder4 at gmail.com. That's F-O-U-R. Or on Twitter at General Order the number 4. Please like, share, comment, and subscribe.